Hey, Caleb, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Okay, let me go and do this introduction. Welcome, everybody, to Common Sense Christianity. As always, I'm your host, Ethan Foster, here today with another episode. And if you haven't already, subscribe, share it with your friends, family, or anyone that is interested in religious topics. Also, if you want to contact me, you can email me at commonsensechristianitypodcast at gmail.com. Go check out our YouTube channel and Instagram account. And today, guys, I'm super excited for this episode. I have a friend of mine uh, from my school, Caleb. Uh, he is LDS, and we are going to discuss the differences between Christianity and Mormonism. Uh, so thank you, Caleb, for coming on. Yeah, and uh, just a heads up, I'm sick. So if I have a coughing fit, just ignore it. <laughs> All right, will do. So, uh, where would you like to really begin with this? Well, let's start off at the very beginning with the fact that um, Mormons technically are Christianity, but there's so much of a difference that you could technically say we're also not Christians. Like, the very basic definition of Christian being uh, one believing in Christ would we would fit under that category, but all the other Christian religions out there have many different beliefs and we have our own beliefs that they're, they're very original. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I can agree partly with that, but my point would being and you and I had this discussion in biology class one time and your, your <laughs> definition for Christianity, when you looked it up, it says uh, someone that believes in the teachings of Christ. I mean, that's a very vague definition because uh, the definitions of Christ are very uh, can be very subjective in a way. Like a Muslim says they believe in the teachings of Christ, but obviously they're not Christian. If you get what yeah. I'm saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad we can find some common ground on that issue because I have talked about it uh, a good amount on the show. So, uh Yeah. And that's a decent start. I don't know how you want to really start and go on into a conversation here, Caleb. Uh, well, here, let me ask you a question. So why should I, as a Christian, be join your church? Well, that's a hard question. I've never really thought about that. Um, well, we have revelation from god that we are the one true church and i guess what was that a bad connection oh okay all right so um hmm. there's some proofs in the book of mormon that if you read it you'll you could find out for yourself but um i guess that's all i can really say about it i don't i haven't really thought that one through enough to give a solid answer on it okay so uh this is the general answer that your church gives uh, to me when I ask him, like whenever I talk with missionaries and stuff. And in my, in my opinion, there are a couple problems with it. So 
the first being that if you read it and then you have a feeling about it that it's true, that's still extremely vague. There's nothing objective. That's only a subjective feeling. Muslims have the same feeling about the Quran. Jews have the same feeling with the Torah, Christians with the Bible, uh, Hindus with whatever holy book they follow. I mean, for me, you would have to give me something, uh, uh, what's the word, a bit better than that to convince me. Well, in in our church, we believe in finding out for yourself, and it's up to you to figure it out. So, I mean... If you're really interested, just pray to God about it and ask him his opinion, what 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 he thinks about it. Uh-huh. And then, of course, you you decide after that. It's in the end, it is up to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, do you think the devil can like interfere with that? Um. I I suppose if you were not paying enough attention, you could mistake the devil. But as long as you're paying atten- attention and you're and you have faith, you know, like probably not. Okay, well, I I would disagree with you fully about that. Uh because that, again, that's extremely vague in my opinion. Uh, saying that if you're not paying attention, like for me, I would say, what what does that necessarily mean? And uh, right now, I'm looking for the particular verse, and I might not be able to find it uh, that supports what I am trying to say here. But um, for me, the devil is. Uh, What's the word? He's a he's genius at tricking people, and he can appear to be the light, but he is actually the darkness. Like with Adam and Eve, right? Uh, yeah. Satan was shown to be the light of some sort, giving uh, Adam and Eve a false hope or a false the, the, the light of knowledge. Well, yeah, the the knowledge of good and evil, which sounded good, but in the end, it wasn't. So. Yeah, that would be my response to that. But again, if you're paying attention, you can realize that you can realize the falsehoods and the truths and make your decisions based off of that. And that's that's a that's something that you do on a daily basis. Like if you're talking to somebody and and they they tell you something, you really have to decide whether or not you believe that. And if you're paying attention and you you can identify whether or not they're telling the truth just just based off of like how well you know them and stuff like that, so what I would agree with you on finding the truth in in that way, but it's complete well yeah completely different so. Your basis is that you can ask God, you can pray to God, and he'll reveal it to you. And I believe that in a way. And I think the best approach to it is looking at archaeological, historical, scientific evidence. 
And I find that with uh, with biblical Christianity, I do I've not found that with the Book of Mormon. I, I've seen no archaeological evidence. That is a good point. And what I believe is that even though there's no proof, that's because once you uh, once you start once you start having faith and believing, then the miracles start happening. And hold up, hold up, hold up. You said once you have faith. Yeah. Okay, Caleb, let me ask you this. Why should I have faith in something that gives me no reason to have faith in it? Well, why should you have faith at all? Faith faith is the act of believing in something that you cannot okay. see or prove. Okay. You're right. But faith it faith is based on on truths that have been uh, revealed. For example, Paul used to be a murderer of Christians, right? But then on the road to Damascus, Jesus, he had a vision of Jesus, and that converted him. That was the basis of his faith. So when he wrote that, he already had a basis for it. So what I'm saying is, is, is if there is no archaeological evidence, then I have no faith to base it on so my faith is it's like building a house with no with nothing to build it on it's just sitting there in the air falling down like that doesn't make any uh sense to me whatsoever faith can be based on physical truths but it also can be based on um belief as well and sometimes when you have faith at first then the truth is solidified after you've put in the effort of having faith. Uh, I don't know. So, Caleb, let, let's use Santa Claus, for example. I have faith that Santa Claus is real. The government tracks him every Christmas. Why, why would the government do that and lie to me, right? Now, I have faith here with no actual proof. And I believe the truth has been revealed to me. What makes that any different that, than what you are proposing to me? Well, I mean, there's not going to be any actual truth at all. Anything that proves that. As, I mean, if it's like the government tracks it or whatever, like... It's it's the same in with your case. If that's the proof, then what's to say that that proof is not faked? And it's it's really belief. And once you have belief, then it becomes solidified with truths and blessings. Yeah. And stuff like that. Caleb, you're, you're getting things mixed around in order. It is supposed to be proof, then faith, then blessings. Not uh, this faith, uh, blessings, and then proof. That doesn't make any sense. I, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Anyway, I have another 
thing that I've noticed that's a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, do you believe that God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost are separate beings? Uh, you're putting it in the wrong context. I put in, I believe that there are... Uh, let's explain it this way. Uh, take a fraction, for example. Divide it into thirds. Yeah, all of them are equal, but they're all one whole. That is how I view God. God is the essence of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Now, us Mormons believe that they are separate beings and that each of them separately are one whole. Yeah, so are you telling me that you believe in three separate gods of this world? Yes. Okay. So, um, there are verses in the Bible that, um, uh, the belief of their gods, if you were to believe the Bible, which I think the LDS Church does, certain aspects of it. Yeah. Uh, so, the Bible makes very clear that there is one God. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So, if there's three separate gods, then that verse is totally false. That is a contradiction uh, in the text. So, either you're right and the Bible has been lying to us, or the Bible's right and, and your scriptures have been lying to us. So, which do you say? I say that either it's talking specifically, specifically about either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost. Or while uh, going through King James's translations and uh, stuff like that, that it something was lost or added that is not supposed to be there. Oh. And our proof that there is more than one being is the while the church was being restored, Joseph Smith. Uh, saw God, the Father, and Jesus uh, separately as two beings instead of just one. Well, see, now you're, now you're taking that part out of context. I said they're separate beings, but one God. They're, they play separate roles. I'm not saying that God and uh, the Father and Jesus share the same body. Uh, but proof, um, you would have to show me proof that Joseph Smith even had a first vision. Uh, you can't use his testimony as uh, as proof. Uh, and then going to that second point, a uh, mistranslation. It is not a mistranslation. It has been Jewish tradition ever since the time of Moses. So that what is it called? I believe it's called the Shema. Uh, look it up. Deuteronomy six, uh, four through nine. Just read that, and there are many other verses in the Bible like it uh, that describe God as being one. But the New Testament describes uh, them as three separate beings, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, So that would either mean a contradiction or mean that they are all God, just playing different roles. I guess that is true, that they, they all have different purposes. Um, the, uh, the Holy Ghost being the main communicator 
between us and heaven, Jesus being our savior and God being our God, the father being our creator. Okay. Well, I wanted to move to this topic. You said Jesus being your savior. I want to ask you, um, can someone that is an unbeliever get to heaven? Yes. Okay, then what's the point of Jesus? Uh, they, If Jesus did not die for us, they wouldn't be able to get to heaven. Okay, so what if someone rejects it? What if I was like an atheist or somebody that personally, spiritually, whatever, mentally says, I deny you, Jesus. I don't think you were real. I think you were just killed because you are a, a, a traitor to the Roman Empire, which is a common belief. Uh, I do not accept you. Why should God let those people into heaven when they are directly uh, denying his sacrifice? Okay, so there's two trains of thought I've had. Um, they have a chance to repent in heaven and do, and someone will do temple work for them and get baptized for them, and they can be converted to the church once they're up in heaven. And my second train of thought is that the only way that you can actually go to hell is if you deny Christ, like, he's everything's right there in front of you. Like, he's right there, he's welcoming you, and you deny him. Mm -hmm. And that's why the one-third of our brothers and sisters up in heaven are no longer, er, are not on earth and don't have the chance to go to earth. It's because they denied. Yeah, yeah, they're the demons in hell, right? Yeah, that's a Christian belief, but we don't think we're we're brothers and sisters with them. Uh, So, okay, you said that. But I still think it undermines the sacrifice of Christ. So he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. Uh, but let, we can just go with that. Uh, we can also go with that. For it is by grace we have been saved through faith, not by works, only by the grace of God. That's Ephesians 2, 8. And you mentioned temple work. And I am going to ask you this. What is the point of the temple if Christ literally, and it describes this in the, in the Gospels and the crucifixion accounts, the, the veil of the temple was torn and it let the glory of God pretty much be available to the people instead of just the high priest. What is the point of temples after Christ's sacrifice? Okay. So, again, Christ's sacrifice is the reason why we're able to do temple work. And through the temple, we baptize the people in heaven, like, uh, like symbolically, we baptize ourselves in their name. And they have a chance to um, accept the teachings of Jesus, and they can go into spirit paradise and if it were not for his sacrifice, we would not be able to do so. Okay, so his sacrifice and your beliefs uh, provide the temple work. Well, yeah, yeah. provide the. It's not of your own doing. It is, uh, it is the grace of God so that no one can boast it. 
I might have forgot a few words in there. Uh, I'll pull it up in a sec directly. Uh, but if it is only by grace we have been saved and not by works, then is there a contradiction there when uh, when you say uh, Christ opened up the way to do temple work instead of just redeeming us? You're asking if there's a contradiction there? Hello? Hello? Oh, go ahead. Were you asking if there was a contradiction uh-huh. there? No. The The reason we're doing temple work is to save where we are through Christ's sacrifice. Um washing away their sins and allowing them to go into spirit. Okay, okay. So, Caleb, I want you to admit here, you're a sinner, correct? Yes, we all are. So, yeah, we all are. So why should you be allowed um, to do that for Christ? Shouldn't Christ just atone by that sacrifice and cleanse the people with his blood and all of us are saved? Because we're all in the same boat here. And, uh, yeah, we're all in the same boat. So we have, in my opinion, uh, since we're all in the same boat, since we are all deserve the same punishment, uh, that means that we shouldn't be able to, uh, how do I put it, put ourselves above one another and don't uh, try not to take me out of context here. Uh, so, like, when you say you cleanse people and you baptize for people, I think that is more of a personal choice. I think people should be able to decide that for themselves. And if they deny it, then that's their fault. You know what I'm trying to they, say? They, they do. They, they do have a choice. Okay. Uh, by getting baptized for them, we are giving them that choice. And we, we believe, I don't know if you believe in spirit prison, but we do. And... um. I'm sure they'd be eager to leave Spirit Prison and join the church up in heaven. So why is baptism required uh, to get out of Spirit Prison? Um, so if Jesus took on their punishment, then I'm not entirely, like, exactly sure. I'm, I'm sure there's other people that have a better idea than me. But I think it has to do with... Um, renewing like yourself like in order to join the church you have to get baptized so i think it's kind of like that because uh anyone who's in spirit prison was not a member of a church the church on earth and so by doing their temple work we are allowing them into the church so they can go to heaven okay so uh again again i go i uh, i'm seeing this and I'm going back to Ephesians 2 eight. For by grace ye are ye saved through faith. That's King James Version, right? So you tell me that there's a spirit prison if you're not um, a member of the church, right? So that's where yeah. I'm going to go because I'm not going to be a member of the church. And people have to baptize for me. Baptism is a requirement. If I'm interpreting what you're saying correctly, baptism is a requirement that undermines everything Paul is saying in there. Um, it 
it may have changed because, again, that's back when, like, that was the Church of Jesus Christ, and now it's different because it's of Latter-day Saints. And I just want to say this before anyone gets confused. Everybody has a chance. Like, there's not going to be anybody left out. That that will be, like, that'll be made sure. Nobody will be in their spirit prison alone. Nobody is going to do the temple. It's not, it's never going to be like that. I'm sorry, dude. I only caught the second half of what you were saying. You were cutting out really bad. Okay. Um, so everybody will, like, everybody will get the chance to accept the gospel in heaven because there's not going to be anybody left out. Like, then that's not going to happen. Everybody's going to have the chance to be converted to the church up in heaven. Okay. So, Caleb, I just want to get down to the meat of what we're talking about here. And that is, is it the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that saves you? Or is it just Christ that saves you? I, I believe it is Christ that saves us. So if it is Christ that saves you, why should I be required to accept your church? Because it's Christ's church. Uh, okay, so we can go and get into this discussion. Uh, do you think that uh, Baptists, Catholics, uh, Methodists, do you think those are Christ's church? I, I believe, this is what I believe. Since Jesus died and all of his disciples who had the priesthood died as well, um, I believe that those churches, they, they honestly, they did the right thing. They still believed in Christ and they started the church and they like got people to also believe in Christ and to worship Christ and to worship God. And I I think they did I think they were going in the right direction. But I I do also think that they are Christ's church. But I don't think they are the correct church. And um I was gonna say something. It's like Oh never mind. But yeah, I think they had the right idea, but Okay, hey, it's, let me let me go ahead and stop you there. Uh, you're saying they have the right idea, but what you described to me as the so-called true church, so-called Christ church, sounds very much like a totally different church than has ever been in Christian practice. We weren't on the right track. We just believe in Christ, and upon him we put our faith in. That is every Christian denominations with the possibility of the exception of Catholics although most Catholics can't agree with that. Um, that is, compared to your church, two totally different things. So here's a question I'm going to ask you is, uh, if your church is the right church, why didn't God keep it on the earth? Why did there have to be restoration? I'm not sure. Okay, that's fair. There's, there's always things that we're unsure of. But see, that's a that's a problem for me, because if this loving God had a plan, had this 
a plan of salvation, as you guys would call it, why would he let it disappear from the earth? That makes no sense to me. Why wouldn't he fight the corruption of the other churches? So uh, we can leave with that or we can discuss um, more of that. I want to change topics to the Book of Mormon. I I just got a a little bit of an answer to that. Oh, okay, okay. So th- when the church fell out and the great apostasy happened, okay. um, just think about how t- like civilization was then. Very is ancient. Like it's it's pretty old. Like it was two thousand years ago. And so, think, like, throughout that time, civilization develops, uh, they discover America, people move over there, the church is restored in America, the land of the free, freedom of religion, it, it definitely made it easier to worship and a better place for the church to be than where they were then. Okay, okay, so... Caleb, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this very clearly. The thing you just said about, uh, and I know this is a major part of your beliefs, and it ties into what we're going to talk about the Book of Mormon. The thing you just said is totally um, scientifically and historically unbacked. Uh, It is clear that around uh, the time of the Ice Age, long before... uh, the Book of Mormon or even Christianity was around. Uh, people crossed the land bridge because there was a lot more land because of the large uh, polar ice caps to get here. So I do not see how your um, how your theory of it all um, in the Book of Mormon uh, can tie in with that. Well. There were, there were, it's not like there were people living in, in the Americas then. Huh? We don't, it's not like there were people living here, like in the Americas though. Like most people were in the, like European areas. Yeah, most of them, but there were, there have been people in America for tens of thousands of years. This is, uh, scientifically and historically uh, true. There's no denying it. Well, unless they were instead of humans, they were like monkeys. Like Monkeys don't live in, in North America. I mean, they could have at one point. So, Caleb, then you would be able to find the skeletons of or the fossilized remains of them. Are are we saying there are there's fossilized remains of humans that were found? No, of here? course there are. I mean, Caleb, you can go down to archaeological sites in Mexico and all across North America to find this stuff. In fact, I have a quote from Professor Paul E. Menace from the University of Oklahoma. And he says, it is safe to say that few, if any, archeo- if any professional archaeologists, except those who are practicing Mormons themselves, view the Book of Mormon as a document with any archaeological value.
I'm not sure. I I haven't really ta- been taught much about this. This is just me trying to... Caleb, this is why I wanted you to come on here. Because I wanted to tell you that... Uh, and personally, I had to do this uh, myself. You have to go and look at things that are not of your church to figure out what is the truth. I've had to look all over outside of my church against my church's wishes and it has grown me in my knowledge of god it has grown me in my knowledge of so many things and i'm telling you now that you have to you cannot just listen to what your church tells you because they have a a certain set of things that they'll tell you and they'll hide that stuff that they don't want you to hear that's just religion and it's a sad reality that you and i have to deal with so I, I'm telling you, I, I can send you some people. I can send you um, some articles. I can give you an, uh, what we've got of our book so far. I'll let you read that, and you can come to your own conclusion by that. Yeah, I, it's also I, – I should probably do that. But at the same time, I'm very young, and I haven't learned as much as some of the other people in our church. And I'm sure they know more. I'm sure they have – the answers to these questions. Well, you know what? Maybe, but I haven't heard them. Caleb, I have spent hours and hours. I've read books. I've done so many things. I'm like, you know the dude I did the interview with? He was a Mormon for 40 years and still couldn't answer the questions that you have. He was a high priest. He was a seminary teacher. He did all of that stuff. And when he finally um, went out and researched it, he left the church. Uh, because of these very things that I'm telling you right now. Either way, there's not, like, the community of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ are very nice people, and it's not a community that it's just, I'm here because this is what I believe. I mean, they're also really nice people, so that's another reason why I also believe in the church, is because... Caleb, Caleb, that has nothing to do with the truth, though. Yes, but it's. I'm just saying it's. It's a good community of people. Well, Whether or not this stuff is true, I mean. I mean, atheists are perfectly good people. I know a lot of atheists that are even better than some Mormons. Yes. I know. I, <laughs> yes. Like, I, and that has nothing to do with it. You're but, right, but you're right. Mormons are very nice people, uh, Caleb. But that that to me is no reason. Uh, to has nothing to do to with this conversation. Religion. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Do you still think your church is 100% true? Uh, From my current standpoint, that is what I believe. Okay. Uh, How much time you got left? Um, I don't know. We could probably keep going. All right. So why? Why do you still think it? Because, uh, and I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to demo- demolish you in any way here, uh, but I'm just wondering uh, from an objective perspective, given the facts that I have told you, and uh, you're, you're a very smart dude, Caleb, uh, why have you not had any doubts about it? I haven't actually, like, gone out and research so much and from what i've learned i i believe it because i it just makes sense to me 
and what like what I've been taught, nothing like none of my teachers at church have ever contradicted themselves or anything like that. It's all straightforward, and it just makes so much sense. And that's why I believe it is because it makes sense to me. Well, now once I once I start reading some other stuff and hearing some other stuff and hearing some other people, maybe that'll change. Maybe that'll make more sense to me. And maybe that'll, maybe that'll be the change. Maybe that's where I'll go. But from my standpoint right now, it makes sense. It seems like it's been proven. It just, it fits like a puzzle. All the questions I've ever had sort of have been answered well as far right okay okay well i'm gonna try and create some questions for you and that's perfectly fine if that's where you're at right now i'm perfectly fine with that but uh then again just because it makes sense doesn't uh make it true and i know you understand that uh yeah so when we were on the hallways the other day you mentioned uh if you ask about polygamy i'm ready for it so i'm gonna (laughs) go on and move to there uh, so let's go. So why? Why was Joseph Smith married to over 20 people, including teenagers? Um, here's what I've been told, and it makes sense. There were a lot of widows in, in the community. And in order to actually be able to have them be married, they... Um, they started polygamy. Now, that was for a certain period of time. I don't know exactly why Joseph Smith was married to that many people, including teenagers. But the general reason for polygamy was uh, to give the widows a chance to be married in the church. And then eventually it expanded to the fact that they were um, enlarging the population of the church. But they they stopped doing polygamy and it was against, like, they did polygamy for a little bit and then they stopped because they didn't need to do it anymore. Oh, okay, so looking at historical context, do you know why they stopped polygamy? Um, it was outlawed in Utah, and the prophet told them to stop. Yeah, why? Well, I mean, mean, they were having to hide the fact, otherwise they'd get arrested. Well, no, 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 not just that. It's not, in fact, it's not even. I know, I know it's more. It's also a very simple reason. It happened in the 1890s. So the reason the prophet had to end polygamy is because Utah couldn't become a state. But Brigham Young said polygamy was an eternal principle, and I'm going to attempt to find that quote while I'm talking to you right now. Uh, I've also heard that. I've heard that polygamy is celestial law. So why would the prophet stop it even if it's against the law? Um, 
because God said stop doing polygamy. Hold up. If it's an eternal principle that lasts forever, God doesn't contradict himself. In fact, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not sure, Ben. Okay, so here's the Brigham Young quote about polygamy. The only men who become gods, even the sons of God, are those who enter into polygamy. Others attain unto a glory that may even be permitted to come into the presence of the Father and the Son. But they cannot resign as, as reign as kings of glory because they have blessing offered unto them and they refuse to accept them. I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's someone else that probably knows. But I mean, I'm pr- I'm probably not the best person you could have picked for this podcast. Well, I mean, you kind of came up to me and asked. Uh... Yeah, but I don't know. Hmm. Well, again, like I said, look, did you ever watch that interview that I did? With Sean McCranny? I did not. Okay. So don't watch that video. I want you, <laughs> I want you to go to his, his original show, Heart of the Matter 1. I'll send you some of them. Check those out. And I will give you the man's email, phone number, whatever you need. You can ask him these questions. And I promise you he will be more than happy to answer them, dude. Because... um. I can tell you, I've never heard an LDS person answer these questions. People used to call Sean's show all the time and start yelling at him. They used to make fun of the way he looked or how fat he was. That's all they used to do. They didn't talk about the facts that he was presenting. And I have never heard um, an LDS apologist or any leader of the LDS church give me uh, facts saying that, uh, that we're against the facts that I'm presenting right now. All I hear is uh, feelings. All I hear is faith. All I hear is um, is uh, is per- is what you believe. Like that doesn't help at all. I'm I'm sure there's better answers than that. That's just what I that what I can say right now. Like from the top of my head, that's what I've been taught. But um, there's probably deeper meanings and deeper stuff too. Well, sure, with anything, but um, I would ask you, the person that gives you the answer to these, you tell them to text me or email me, and I will have them on the podcast to discuss it. To discuss it. All right. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. All right, well, thanks, Caleb, for coming on. We'll have to do this again sometime. I'll go ahead and send you those people that I want you to listen to, and you send me the people you want me to listen to. I'll find time to listen to them. Uh, All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Common Sense Christianity. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go check out our YouTube and Instagram account, all under the same brilliant name of Common Sense Christianity. And until next time, I'll meet the Foster here with Common Sense Christianity. 
You just listened to an episode of Common Sense Christianity. I'm your host, Ethan Foster, as always, and we love doing this for you guys. Please share the podcast with your friends and family if you like it, and frankly, even if you don't, uh, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review so that more people can hear the Word of God. And until next time, God bless you.